Welcome to the sixth episode of the High School Business and Personal Finance Teachers Podcast. Stay tuned for our interview with Andrew Nelson, a business and financial literacy teacher at Granada Hills High School in California. Stay tuned for the interview. Virtual business simulations are the leading cloud-based educational simulations for teaching business, personal finance, and marketing at the high school level. There are currently eight different virtual business simulations available. Retail, hotel, restaurant, management, personal finance, accounting, sports and entertainment marketing, and fashion. Virtual business simulations are used in one-third of the high schools in the U.S. You can learn more about virtual business simulations at www.knowledgematters.com. So welcome back to the Knowledge Matters podcast, the podcast where we talk to high school teachers about how they got started teaching and tips and tricks they have for teaching business and personal finance and marketing to high school students. I want to welcome our latest guest, Andrew Nelson, who teaches business and financial literacy at Granada Hills High School in California. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. So can you tell us what classes do you currently teach? Uh, well, I teach uh, the career technical education uh, classes that I teach would be directly business related is the uh, uh, business statistics class that I developed about oh, six or seven years ago. That's a melding of the uh, typical statistics curriculum that you would have in a, in a high school course and then melded with uh, all of the CT curriculum standards of uh, uh, for a business pathway uh, with, a, with a capstone in uh, finance and uh, 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 statistical analysis. And so kind of blending what the practical side of statistics, which was the big disconnect that I, I found when I got into teaching, was that uh, it's not so much how we're teaching it. We talk a lot about that, but it's really much more about what we teach is off base and creates some of the big inefficiencies in education. And, and how did you first get interested in teaching, and, and how did you start your teaching career? Well, it was basically uh, my wife and I both had career paths that were, were going well, but we could never travel. And with the kids, we were our own bosses, so we never missed things at the kids' school, but we couldn't be out of town. This was kind of going back before cell phones were quite so prevalent, and certainly you didn't have the ability of digital documents jumping around, and we were both kind of in in paper oriented fields. So we got into a position where we could retire in our forties, but we were too young to uh, really know what we wanted to do with our lives. Uh, I did anyway, she kind of knew she wanted to go into teaching. And so she kind of phased into teaching. I kind of helped wind things down on the business front. And then I took a year off, saw her having a lot of fun with the kids and uh, something that when I was a lot younger would have thought I would never end up in teaching, uh, gave it a try. And it was, immediately just the first few days i was back uh, then it was right before the big recession so i was able to get a position because i could teach math which was a real shortage of teachers i jumped in and i kind of just dove into the teaching thing and loved it and then a couple of years in found out that you know or observed firsthand that the math and how we teach the math particularly and and what we teach of math 
really didn't match up with the real world employable skills that you need and how you need to use math. And what happens is the students that aren't good in this abstract math world we teach have a tendency to, to shut down and think they're just not going to deal with numbers in their life. And obviously in a, in the digital data-driven era we live in, that's the exact wrong mindset. So I developed a class that was built around the standard uh, statistics curriculum, but it's taught in a computer lab setting where we use Excel as the core of everything we teach. And by using that as the core of, of everything that I teach is showing the applications of how to do things uh, statistically with Excel. It ties it into the employable skills. Uh, my students get uh, certified as Microsoft Office specialists in Excel as part of the class just built into through our Perkins funding. We can pay for all the students to take the uh, to waive the exam fee and to have a site license. And so uh, um, that's kind of the core of what I developed. And then that became the, the, the core of a business program that we developed. And we brought uh, a DECA chapter in the services career technical service organization a, a few years back. And that kind of blew up and threw uh, gasoline on the fire. And, uh, you know, that's kind of been the progression. I'm CT department chair. So I'm also uh, responsible for a lot of diversity of uh, CTE offerings. Besides doing the business uh, pathway, um, I also have a responsibility for an automotive repair pathway, a culinary arts pathway. Uh, we have an engineering and robotics program that falls under a CTE pathway. And then we have uh, another one that I believe is uh, uh, new, but uh, that we're adding that kind of deals with uh, other kind of digital products that you can uh, you know, have get employable skills out of. That's great. Um, so, so do you also teach some math as well as the business statistics and being the CTE mm -hmm. director at your school? Well, and, and that was, yeah, well, and that was a really core thing too. And you had to work at that to make that happen. Uh, we still, like I said, the problem is in what we teach, you know, my class should be where we start really in terms of designing what real skills we need. And then what theory do we need to have the students understand to be able to do those, those functions you know, using Excel, which is what we use in, in the workplace, but, but to keep an equal mix and to keep the full set of standards you have to have for math, my class is a full year C math course. So students that take my class, it's not, they're not making that trade off to take a career technical education course. It is built in and is giving them the employable skills that they needed to, for the reason why they needed to learn the theory in the first place, it's giving them the employable skills at the same time, not as two isolated classes that they're going to take and ultimately then they'll connect those dots. It makes much more sense. The students learn the concepts much better when it's in real world context. And so, you know, you got it from the design of the course has to blend both of them and they blend beautifully. And you don't have to sacrifice one. And that's why you can get a full year C math course as if you just took math analysis trig. My class is generally, uh, you know, listed as an alternative to that. So it's, a, it's even a relatively high level fourth year math class. But, um, but it's, it's a very different focus when you look at applications as opposed to, say, a math analysis trig class, which is all theory, all abstract, and all just leading ultimately to go to calculus, which is a subject that's great for engineers, but most students don't need it, and yet the system, because the college is biased for it, tends to push everybody in that direction. Right. That's something we have to fix. We waste a lot of money in, in education dollars on teaching math that the students don't need, right. to be frank. Right. So, so what's a typical school day for you, or, or are they typical? Um, well, I think that your, your day gets less typical as you move along in your career. Uh, 
you know, if you're new in teaching, as, as when I was, you, you uh, don't have as much variety. But I definitely think that, you know, a differentiation model, a model where you're trying to connect with the students on where they are, not making them start where you arbitrarily want to draw a line. Uh, I think that makes it a class that has to have a lot of things going on. When you get to, that's one of the things I love about CTE, um, you know, the Knowledge Matters products uh, that obviously you're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are great for blending in and creating variety because the students can do it at their own pace. The students, uh, you know, the Excel certification, there's a series of practice programs. That even though we get very familiar with Excel, there's still some things I don't cover real well in the class. It's a very challenging exam because of the speed at which you have to do it. So, so students take those practice exams. Well, those are all things I can blend in and mix and match so that the student on any given day is making the most out of their time in my classroom. I think the, the first and foremost thing is you've got to value their time the way you would value your time or as if you were paying for their time, which is oftentimes how I, I had many times my students, I think, start to almost feel like employees of mine. And they all have individual goals. And the goal is not to make profit. It's to advance them educationally. But I think that that's kind of if we thought of that, we would bring in efficiency into the process. You know, one of the things I always assess everything is using three concepts, effort, effectiveness and efficiency. I think what gets left out a lot of times is efficiency. Great. You've you've been effective at teaching some standards to your students, but did you do it in, in the least timely, time costly way to them? Because when you can create efficiencies, then you can teach more content. And many times in a business uh, teachers, uh, you're, you're not just mixing in the business teaching, you're mixing your financial literacy into an economics class or things like that. And so efficiency is something I think that the business teachers tend to look at and are more comfortable and familiar with than maybe your average teachers in the profession. Got it. So you mentioned the DECA chapter. Are you the advisor for that? Yeah, yeah, we, we brought it in. I do have a great partner, Tim Turnquist, who I work with. And uh, he does a lot of the traveling. You you realize very quickly part of the being a DECA advisor, part of the strain is the fact that it, it will take you out of the classroom. If you do the uh, state conference uh, here in California, that's a four-day trip that you'll take maybe 50 students on. And then you'll have another international at the, you know, usually we always qualify. We've got to that level of a chapter where, where we're sending somebody to the international competition, which is somewhere around the country. It involves flights and five days. Mm-hmm. away from school and such. So he kind of takes care of the traveling part. And if you get very advanced into deck, I think a partner to people doing it will really kind of lessen the load because it can be a lot of time. Just the things we do on campus. Uh, we do something called the holiday letter campaign where our students uh, raise $10,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation every year. And um, the great thing about that campaign is it doesn't draw any real funds out of the school itself because it's based off of a um, – uh, uh, monies that, that Macy's donates based off of how many letters are written on something you believe in. And so our students go out and collect the letters, not money. And so you're never touching any dollars. But when these letters get turned in, if you do them on a certain day, you get $2 for every letter. Wow. And and the reason why I mention this is that these are the kinds of activities that if you build them in, you know, they can have uh, some real meaning in the classroom and they give the leadership opportunities that you're supposed to be kind of building in through, you know, the standards, you know, are very heavily uh, standards of practice, you know, talk a lot about building leadership skills in and having structures. That's what DECA is. And that's why they require in California that you have a CTSO somehow connected to your, to your business pathway. Right. But I, I would highly recommend DECA. There's other ones also. There's a, 
not to be, I'm on the deck of board. So, but to be fully disclosed, there's future business leaders of America in sure. the business realm. And then they have them in uh, 4-H. If you're in an agricultural area and teaching in there, there's connections. I, I would really encourage teachers that are getting into this to reach out to these organizations and, and kind of learn about all of them, even though you're never going to, you're going to pick a fraction of them to do, but the more you're versed on what's going on, uh, the more you, you won't overlook things that, uh, you know, could have some real value. Sure. And just as a, a note, Knowledge Matters partners with all of the, the major CTSOs, so um, not just DECA. Um, but I was just curious, what has been the response to the students? Um, you said you brought DECA in. What, what has been their response? Oh, it, it's huge. Well, we went from like not existing five years ago to the largest chapter in the state. <laughs> so I think maybe, it, we, you know, we, we've got a strong tradition in academic competitions. Uh, we've always kind of been into the academic team thing. They're very into academic decathlon and our speech and debate team has always been, you know, around for a long, long time. We've had a very good robotics team for a, for a long, long time. And, and they kind of took a hiatus because the guy left and then they've just gotten somebody new and picking that up. So it, it, it wasn't really a hard sell, the idea that you would have an academic team. Um, but it also helps with the it, what it is. It's a great different. We talked about differentiation briefly. The great thing about it is that it, it helps you differentiate. I mean, the, the, something like DECA, you can do the students that get really into DECA, get some amazing leadership uh, opportunities, some amazing opportunities to network with local business professionals and, and uh, you know, encourages a lot of that. We, we're very near Cal State Northridge. So we do a ton of things with their uh, business uh, school over there. They're very kind and, and generous with their time. And so, you know, it gives you a lot of uh, ways of reaching out. It kind of, because it's been around for 70 years, it's very refined. And that's the thing that helps too. If, if you're trying to get a business program off the ground, which we were only in our second or third year of having a business program, to bring something in that already had some structure to it, mm -hmm. to be very helpful to teachers so you're not reinventing every wheel. You know, you're some things you can kind of plug and play because, you know, they're so well designed and, and thought out. And and like I said, I'm very knowledgeable DECA. That was the one that fit best for us. But the other CTSOs have similar kind of structures to them, been around a long time. And and if you're starting a business program or, or you know, and many uh, people are in that position because the pathways suddenly have gotten much more important to the to the dashboard and the, how the school is rated. So you're seeing a lot of schools now wanting to gear up and get more of these pathways going. So a lot of brand new ones. One of the great ways, if you want to get one going easily and with more, with with less difficulty, is to get yourself a good, you know, a, a CTSO that makes sense for your school and makes sense for the for the program that you're directing. Got it. So how because do you it, it will help how, you organize? How do you market your business statistics class to incoming students, or do you? Uh, well, you do. Yeah, I think I think business promotion is <laughs> absolutely a part of a CTE because. You know, our school is very supportive of CTE. That's not true everywhere. You hear a lot of stories when you get involved in the DECA program or through other where I, uh, other things that I do uh, through SIFMA Foundation, that kind of thing. You, you get opportunities to talk to teachers around the country and the challenges that they have. I think that uh, so sometimes it's, it's more important in some places than in others, uh, but there is a competition, especially with the school is very dynamic like ours. It's always bringing in new classes. You have to keep making the point and keep adding value. What it really is, again, if you if it ties all back, if you respect the student's time as being valuable, uh, and you're an okay teacher, you're gonna, if you're just focused in the right direction, you're going to have so much value, so many reasons to take that class 
then you just need to get the word out. Then it can be a matter of flyers. I always make sure that I have a, a relatively nice, concise flyer that lays out all the reasons why, what you would get from taking out, taking the class. And I make sure the counselors have that. We're a very big school of 4,500 students. So you have to think of a little bit, you know, there might be a dozen counselors. So if you're at a school with one or two counselors, then just probably verbally communicating with them and, and connecting with them so they know about your class and what the strengths of your class are. The other advantage of that is then you get the right students in your class. So it's not just a matter of promotion to get the body count so they'll let you teach the classes. It's also a matter of you getting the, the efficiency comes back into play. It's not just getting the bodies, it's getting the right bodies. And my business statistics class has always been way over subscribed. Like I've had years where literally like I could teach 160, 70 students given the size of my room and five periods a day. Uh, they've had 300 or more sign up for, you know, multiple years sometimes. Wow. So, you know, but, but getting the right group, getting the ones that will get the most out of that of the 160 out of the 300 is still a reason to, even though you have plenty of body count, it's still a reason to get the word out and share. And that's why I have the Excel certification piece. God, that's a, an amazing piece that students actually get a professional certification from just being in the class. And so anytime you can tie in things that uh, certifications, professional certifications or something, I would highly recommend looking into as well as because they add that extra element of value, Sure. especially if you can do them in a way that they they already fit seamlessly in how the employable skills should be employed. A lot of times then you're also gives you an avenue for redirecting the content in a more practical employable skills direction. You know, but we started really with what could be some very generic content that didn't have a lot of applications attached to it. But but it's the vehicle by which you kind of sometimes through the certification and whatever program you're certifying on or everything gives you an avenue to make the class uh, more practical and take what could be abstract content that would have a low retention and, and put it into something that's actually in usable skills and ties into financial literacy as well. The other avenue, when you're what you're teaching in Excel, I have a heavy emphasis on the financial functions, which is where I try to tie in the financial literacy side. Right. So I'm curious, do you have any classroom or curriculum tips or tricks that you would care to share for other business or CTE te teachers who might be listening? Um, well, I would say that the, the big thing I would look at, again, if, if Excel would work in your classroom, it is an amazing teaching tool. If, if I could have one thing that I would kind of redirect education, I would get us starting to teach math classes even in middle school in, in essentially Excel. There are other spreadsheet programs, but Excel is still the business industry leader. Um, and so I would prefer to stick in that, in that realm because of that practical reason. But, uh, but at least getting into more data analysis, more spreadsheets, and again, the other thing that works beautifully is financial literacy. If you teach the financial functions, present value, future value, payment, you know, these very simple functions, uh, and the students actually understand better what a function is. Uh, I do uh, some analysis where I show students, we, we, we go through the calculations of what a, a retirement uh, plan uh, with a fixed benefit versus uh, uh uh, defined contribution programs and wires, a wire companies heading to defined contribution programs. Well, when you understand, you know, a few series of, of financial functions linked together as a composite function gives you an opportunity to teach one of the harder concepts in algebra two 
which when they teach it with the alphabet soup, nobody remembers or knows anything about. When you teach it in the context of some financial literacy and something that directly connects to something exactly, you know, it's a, it's a current trend going on right in front of them. Uh, you know, they understand the mathematical concept better, and now they know something about the real world that they didn't know. That's important uh, to understand, you know, because it's, it's, again, another justification to why they need to save and save early, uh, because they're not going to have these cradle-to-grave, you know, defined benefit programs anymore. You know, teaching is like the last bastion of them, yeah. and, and even there, whether they're going to be around in 10 or 15 years, you know, is yeah. questionable in some states. So how do you use the virtual business simulations with your students? Well, it, it's just an awesome curricular um, element that actually is oddly in a class that I don't use it a lot directly as on the instructional piece because we actually built it into the introduction to business class that we teach. And I'd say it's about half of the curriculum that we use in that course. Um, and then we have another core uh, online program that we use um, in connection with it. But it definitely fills, it's a great differentiation piece because I, we have a site license. So to get access to all of the different programs, you know, we may not use one particular program with too many bodies, but to be able to offer that kind of different uh, approaches to the same material, really, like what does a financial statement look like? Uh, you know, they they get that from a fashion design program if that's more of their interest and they can learn that concept there or if they're more interested in being a sports agent or they think they want to be a sports mogul someday using your your uh, sports entertainment where they have their own stadium you know <laughs> students drawn to that uh, we get a lot that are you know it's, it's interesting we've done a lot because we do offer all of them and we have a lot of a lot of bodies we have maybe about 200 students total that'll that'll be using the program actively over the course of the year at some point and so that those uh, those students all get a different experience, though, because they'll choose different combinations of maybe three of, I think there's about six or seven programs you have. And then uh, the accounting program I do is the one program that I do in my class because it, it has a direct tie-in and we start the year actually with it. And then the, uh, the seniors, I think we're going to start trying to promote the personal financial literacy uh, program is something because it's a little bit longer and that might be a, a wrap up kind of that we have for our seniors it's not even our capstone course anymore it's just kind of an extra course they get to take in their senior year so they can keep doing DECA and, and that type of thing but it's it, the reason why I mention all those things is you can see that we really are using your set of pro classes as a way of tying together three years of our business program so it's a wonderful integrating piece. Like one of the things that the students where they do use the program and are encouraged to do it in my business statistics class is that that's their second year business class. Not to get too much into the details, but the, the first year introduction class, they'll use the series of lessons that Knowledge Matters has uh, in maybe about maybe about three or four of these different programs, but usually about four. And then... Uh, so they, they do each lesson, the reading, the, te the, the reading test and the math quiz, and then working through the sim. And, you know, it takes a, quite a while to get through those. Uh, but then when they come to me, they have like a favorite one. They have one that they connected more with because they had a chance to look at four of them. So part of my class is not a huge part of the, the class. It's mostly like kind of outside work because I don't get a lot of homework in my class. Uh, so uh, I use that time to, again, that half an hour is better spent of them going through and learning your program 
at a different level. And I will let them like maybe once a week do some collaboration for half an hour going you know, back and forth of, hey, well, I do this with the program. What do you do? And what it starts to sound like is it sounds like little trade groups. They don't sound like students anymore. <laughs> they start to sound like I, I remember when I ran a business and you'd get together with other escrow owners and such, and they would all kind of, you know, share little ideas of who they were using for messenger service and, you know, what they were doing with them, trying to find employees and that kind of thing. And, and they're having these kind of conversations, which is, which is definitely at another level. So the, the program, again, uh, once they've gone through the basic lessons, it's a nice introduction survey course that evolves out of it. But then the deeper level of thinking they do when they actually get harder into the sim and trying to really make a profit and, and being judged by how well they do that um, is definitely a higher level thinking skill. And is what I love about your program is it, is it differentiates at different levels of instruction, even the same individual program. And so, and then it, it ties into like what I described and what we're doing with the senior year. So right. it's a wonderful way if you're starting one of these one of these pathways or one of these programs, something that's supposed to be multiple year and and one year is supposed to connect with the next year, uh, and then you have this series of competitions that you can be a part of, connected to the program. So that's how we connected in with the Deca piece which is, is great because that creates a lot of incentive for some of the students to want to take it to that next level because then there's a competition piece that, that builds off of that. So now they're not just comparing themselves amongst their classmates. Now they're starting to compare themselves on state and national uh, levels of performance and such. And it's a great way to calibrate your program. How well is your program doing <laughs> if you're using that data to you know, do the kind of support that Perkins and other grant programs and such want you to have. So that's, right. that's how I would kind of tie the whole, that's how we tie it together. And hopefully I've been coherent enough for sure people to understand how we're doing it. So do you remember how you first heard about the virtual business simulations or were you, was your Probably school already through using Probably uh, I know. Deca. I would say I'm, I, you know, it's hard to remember, you know, chicken and egg and yeah, cards, yeah, yeah. you know, because, because it was about when I took or I started the business statistics class and it was about a year that then I connected because at the same time, another administrator was starting the business program. And it took about a year for those what I was doing on just a one class, one teacher front to kind of connect up with what they were doing. But once I kind of got in the, the, the process, um, it was early on. I found both DECA and you guys. And I'm sure that it was the fact that there was a relationship there and that you had these competition pieces was great. And I think that it might have been the first year we did it, too, uh, the way you let I think it's a brilliant thing that you do and a wonderful service you do that you let teams compete and they get limited access to the program and that they can compete. And we had students start off that way before we had your program. So, again, there's a I would highly endorse giving you know knowledge matters a shot because you do through the deca competitions you have and there might could be other ones too besides the deca i'm just familiar with that that uh you can get a taste of these programs see how your students interact with it how it works for them is it what how is it as an engagement piece um you you can through there because you guys are still doing that right yep yep we we do because virtual we, we we've been on a license for so long yeah, yeah. So no 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 we, we, we do the virtual business challenge for deca um, you, you, uh, as long as you're a, a, you know, registered DECA chapter, uh, you can use the, uh, um, the virtual business simulations for the challenge for free. Um, so you don't have to be a license owner. And we also, uh, have relationships with other, 
uh, CTSOs as well doing other virtual business challenges. Um, yeah, and now, those, which, now, and those, now which are the ones, just to, not, not to show total bias to DECA, um, what, what are the other ones that... Uh... Yeah, sure. Um, we have um, FCCLA uh, and um, uh, BPA, Business Professionals of America, and FBLA. Um, we all do virtual business challenges with all of the CTSOs. Yeah. So whichever one of the my my I'll shout out it as a teacher, whichever one of those fits you best, give the Knowledge Matters programs a shot. I'm telling you, I've looked at a lot of curriculum. I've designed my own courses. I've presented my course, my business business course. I've done it through the math uh, uh, CTM, I believe it is the big math organization of math teachers. I've done it at their national conferences and stuff. So I've, I've presented a bunch of times. But I got to tell you, the best piece of curriculum especially for something of this breath is the knowledge matters program and so that's why i'm always happy to, to share that with anybody and if you contact me directly i'll share the same thing with you and and, and how we specifically build it in and what classes specifically you know what order we do the program and why we do it a certain way i'd be happy to share it anytime if somebody wants to reach out to me it's uh Great. Well, on that note, our email easy to get. Uh, on that note, do you have any feedback for us about the virtual business simulations? I think just keep doing what you're doing. The fact that you keep developing new ones, the fact that you you know that creates more variety. The, the more variety that's in there, the better. I think the programs themselves run very well. Um, you know, there's always the occasional you know glitch or two, but given the complexity of what you're doing, I've, I'm always impressed. Really, but having run a business for a lot of years, these things can look real fake kind of thing. You know, I know I did some business simulations back, public policy simulations back when I was at USC back in the early 80s. And they were kind of pathetic in that they were very discreet and, yeah. and just very predictable, you know, and they didn't seem anything like a reality experience. But I got to say, these things, I think they really do. And I think they, I love how they measure performance. And, and knowledge. And so I, I gotta say, you know, I don't know enough of what you guys do and how you make the magic happen <laughs> to, to give you directions. I would okay. just say, keep doing it. Keep developing new programs. Keep in touch with all the client bases like you do with us to, to find out, you know, what are those other interests? The fashion design one was awesome. That would not have been something I would have ever thought of, but it is probably our most popular one when the students get to choose. Oh, wow. It's probably the most popular one. And, yeah, and, uh, so, and, and I up think next, you're working uh, on entrepreneurship. Is that the latest one? That you, yeah, that's, you that's what I was about or? to say. Up next, if you're listening and you haven't heard, uh, we announced it at uh, DECA ICDC in April that um, our next uh, sim that's in development, which will be released in 2019, is uh, going to be virtual business entrepreneurship. Um, and, uh, there will be a shark tank portion of that. Um, and we're working out all the details now of how, um, the, uh, students will create their own business and actually get investment from their classmates. And we're working all those details out now, but yes, uh, virtual business entrepreneurship is the next one, um, on the schedule. Um, so I guess that's all the questions that I had. I wondered if there's anything that we didn't discuss or any final words of wisdom that you might offer for other high school teachers who might be listening. Uh, I, I think my biggest message is just keep focusing on what you teach. You know, you can't rewrite the standards. You have to work around what you have, but get focused on those outside 
you know, advisory groups, if you meet with those as part of your program regularly or whatever you need to do to keep in contact outside those fences. Don't let those fences become block walls, you know, have them be the permeable uh, uh, barriers that they are. Get out there, find out what the students need in terms of employable skills and through creativity and, and what I consider to be the most fun part of teaching, bring that into the classroom. And, and that reality will drive your engagement and make the whole uh, learning experience more, more meaningful for your students. So I wish you all luck and thank you for giving me a few minutes to share some thoughts with you. That's great. Well, we've been speaking with Andrew Nelson, who teaches business statistics and CTE at Granada Hills High School in California. And Andrew, thanks for doing this interview. No worries. Have a great day. Great.